0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So many people ask, Tisha B'Av, talking about the base Hamikdash. So I want to open up with a question. This past Shabbos, with Shabbos Chazayim, some, people, some Chazal hold you shouldn't even wear a new a Shabbos suit. Different types of Avelis, not in public, whatever. Shouldn't should just eat with a bunch of guys that you don't usually eat with. Shabbos Chazayin, it's a very serious Shabbos. Next week, Shabbos Nachamu, Also a very serious, serious Shabbos, but serious partying Shabbos. Totally different Shabbos than this past Shabbos. Shabbos Nachamu Nachamu Ami. Everybody's going to the bungalows. People are going to hotels. are all sold out. It's barbecues. Grace is achen. Shabbos Nachamu. Concerts. Manashtana. What's the difference between next Shabbos and this past Shabbos? Mashiach's here? No. is here? No. People are dying from cancer? Yeah. People can't find tzeduchim, people can't have children. All the problems that we have hasn't changed one drop. So what's the parting f- next Shabbos? Next Shabbos, I Moshiach mean, should come, I should be wrong, Moshiach should come, and then you have your answer. But we'll talk about all the other years from behind us. What are you, what are you, what are you celebrating next week? What are you celebrating? That you made it through Tisha B'av? And now you can take a shower. Okay, that's reason to celebrate. But really, what are you celebrating? Manischtan, what happened? I'm talking about this the whole shower. I'm so excited about this Tzvot Torah that everyone I met, I told them this Tzvot Torah, and the answer is amazing. The answer is, we know that when someone dies, chas Shalom So of course, it's very, very, very painful. But our Qadosh Baruch Hu brought shikha into the world, so that years and years later, you're not in as much pain as you were right away. It's a yard site, it's not the year anymore. And slowly but surely, of course, the memory is there, but the pain dulls very much. Qadosh Baruch Hu, we know, brought shikha in the world, so otherwise people couldn't handle death. And we, every child is supposed to lose their parents during their life, at some point, at 120. So everyone has to go through death. Right? That's the normal life cycle. So Keshachah understood that, and he understood that we wouldn't be able to handle it. So he brought chicken to the world. That's why we know Yaakov Avinu knew that there was something wrong, that Yosef might be alive, because it says, He refused to be comforted, or he could not be comforted, and he should have been comforted. So slowly, the pain of Yosef's death should have become more vague. But it didn't. So he knew, must be, I'm not getting the shikha. Why wouldn't I get the shikha? Because he must be alive. But you're mindless, him. So when you sit on Tishabav, and you remember the Beis HaMigdash, and you remember Yushalayim, Imesh Yushalayim, right? You remember Yushalayim, and you're crying, you're still crying, means it's not dead. If it was dead, 2,000 years later, you'd be in no pain. they would be shikha. Forget about it. You wouldn't even feel anything. So when you sit on Tisha B'vav and you cry, it's a raya, that you're Shalayim, and the Beit HaMikdash is still alive. That's a reason to party. So Shabbos Nachamu, which always comes after Tisha B'vav, the Nachama is, we're still crying. If we're still crying, there's no shikha. If there's no shikha... Yushalayim, the of Migdash, in our hearts, is still alive. And that's why you party on Shabbos Nachemu, and that's the Nachmu Nachemu. And therefore, this is godless. It's a, I, I didn't listen back to, to, to the tape. I think it's I'm not sure it's I'm I i do not know who said this, I'm not 100% sure. But it's Neyvedek. Why? Why? Because what does it say? Everyone who sat in Avelus on Tisha B'av of Yishalayim is going to be simcha right? When it's rebuilt. Because if you sat in Avelus, that means that you never thought it died. And if you never felt that it died, that it was always alive, thus is the Simcha. That's the Simcha. So, we have to realize that the more we're in pain, the more that you feel in your Neshama, what we lost is more of a raya that you didn't lose it. Like Yaakov Avinu. It's a very beautiful terrace. Anyway, there's also a little bit of a disconnect. You know, you read the stories in the Kinnis. Women were eating their children and the blood was running in the street. And Titus HaRashi what he did in the Beis Hamigdash, and we read all these very, very sad stories and we're thinking, wow, that was like really bad stuff today. Ruch Hashem. <laughs> Nobody's eating their kids, maybe spiritually a little bit, but not but not physically. All of us that buy internet stuff for our kids, we're eating our kids. Same thing that happened in Echa, there's no difference, maybe even worse. But that's a, that was physically, and this is a, a, emotionally and spiritually. Separate smooth it's not for today, I'm letting you go today. I, I, was, I, I was told I have to give chizik, not... People are in enough pain, they've got enough bad stuff going on in their life, don't get up there and make it worse. like, okay, so we're not going to talk about technology. But if you look at the world, and we're talking about the world, it's interesting, the things that came out last week in USA Today, that the opioid crisis in America is so out of hand that they put the Senate, the Congress, everybody's trying to get together, they're trying to figure out how to stop this crazy, unbelievable crisis with the pills and the heroin and everything that's going on, it is so out of control. And we know that the further you go away from the on Mignosh, the further from Bria, the further from Mount Antara, the worse the world, forget the Jews, the whole world is falling apart. So there's an opioid crisis. When I was growing up, there was no such, we didn't even know what that was. Like, like the worst pill you could take was like St. Joseph's aspirin. I mean, like, buffering. Like, there was none of this stuff. Yeah, okay, in the 60s and the hippies, and that was up there, up in... In Bethel, where my rehab is. That was, you know, Woodstock. But in our world, no word of earth. opiate crisis. Cancer. They had a report last week that more more, more cancer and more different cancers. Never before has there been such a level of that dreaded disease in the United States of America. Even the animal world. There's never been a year where more species are close to extinct than there was last year. Just stop, I was just reading, stomp, the, the, whatever, it, whatever it means, the black uh, rhino, um, rhinoceros. There was, a few years ago, 25,000 of them in the world. Now there's 250. And like eight of them just died. So it's like, it's, like, it's not happening. Like There's not going to be not many. You better run to the zoo with your kids, chalamay, because I don't know if there'll be any more of them around. And there's other a lot of other species in the world that are mamish disappearing. Animals in the world that are disappearing that Hashem created, Boracious, not here no more. Volcanoes, you all know about what's going on in Hawaii. You can't go to Hawaii anyway because Shabbos is three days. Whatever, it doesn't really bother us. Whatever it is, but the new island. the 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 volcanoes created a new island. The, the world's going to sugar. Never and never in the in the West Coast, ever in the history of the West Coast, has more forest burned in fire than it did in the last year. Millions of acres, wildfires. Never has it been this out of control. Wildfires, fires, volcanoes, species going extinct. Opioid cancer. There's an iceberg go to the other side. There's an iceberg right outside of Greenland right now, a huge iceberg that's parked right above a village. It broke loose because of global warming, whatever. It's about to wipe out this village. So they're taking people out of the village. So on that side of the world in, the, in, the, in Greenland where there's ice, the ice is melting and it's about to destroy a village. And the other side where there's a volcano, then you've got fires. I mean, you have to understand what's going on in our world that we, that we live in right now. On Friday, they came out, you could check it up. The suicide rate in the United States of America is up in 2017 by 25%. One out of four, 25%. 45,000 people died from suicide in the year 2016. 45,000! They weren't sick, they didn't have cancer. They didn't fall off a building, they jumped off a building. 45,000 human beings in America, I'm not talking about the world, committed suicide in 2016, and we now have more than we ever had before. Air conditioning, cars that go very fast, cars that drive themselves, technology has never been on the level that it's been, everything is fast, you don't have to write letters, the thing spell checks you, anything you want, anything you want to do, the, the human being has never had what it has today, even going on, on an airplane to Eretz Yisrael. The comfort is not normal. We've never had what we have today. We have the highest rate of suicide. Why? It's a different sheer But because we're all bored. Because we live in such a fast world where everything happens so fast. The whole world's bored. They don't know what to do with themselves. I'm bored. Everyone's bored. Camps this summer, I was just asking somebody about the sports. <laughs> Not so competitive anymore sports. Eh. In, in the modern camps where they, they're allowed to have their machines. I was, I was just in one this week. So I said, so the kids play ball. They're like, nah, I don't play ball. They're on their phones the whole day. <laughs> it's gone. We're gone. Technology took over. This week's Parsha. This, uh, this, today's Parsha. Where's, uh, we landed Who has a, a, a Kinnis? Today's laning. You have today's laning in here? Today's laning. Oh, you have to give me one so hard. Come on. It's a little easier. Everything on the day. No, it's okay. It's okay. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so this is what we read. Listen carefully, just very fast. I, I thought I wouldn't talk about technology. I can't help myself. <laughs> you're going to have children. You're going to have grandchildren. For Hashem. And they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be there for a while. It's Israel, in America they're going to corrupt, <inaudible> they're going to make a statue, an image of anything. They're going to bow down to anything. But <inaudible> They're going to do very bad things. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? <inaudible> we're going to be spread out. And shot them to say, and we're going to be left few in number. by <inaudible> Listen very carefully. And we're going to there serve God God's? We're going to serve gods that are made by the human being. Made by man. Not by Hashem. Not an Asherah tree. That Hashem, that Hashem grew. Not a mountain. We're bound down to a mountain. Not the sun. Not the moon. Not We're not sun worshippers. But we're going to worship what man makes. You hear? These things in technology. Phones and all this other stuff. They can't see. They can't hear. They don't eat. Okay, stick with the battery. But they don't eat. And they don't smell. And that's what we're going to serve. This Today, we read it in the Torah today. But well, what's going to happen? You're going to have suicide, depression, anxiety. No one's going to be happy. When you realize that you cannot get Hanah. For man made things, we're going to start looking back for Hashem, and you'll find them. You're not going to find them on your technology, but you're going to find them in your heart if you look for Him. We read it in today's parsha that the, we will serve man made things. Not the things that used to be. You serve the moon, you serve the ocean, you serve the sand by Ramabinu, You serve things that Hashem made. No, says the Pasuk, in the future, you're not going to serve things that Hashem made. You're going to serve things that man makes. Everything, today we read it, everything that we read today coincides. And the interesting thing is that the suicide rate is up in every age group, except except 75 and over. You would think 75 and over get fetched, get broken, get that, or get what? Oh my god, they probably, everything hurts, right? They said, no, people who are 75 and over are from a different generation. They don't know technology. They want to live, they want to stay here. They don't want to go nowhere. They know what life's all about. There's a national suicide prevention line that people call who feel suicidal when they want to be talked down, that they should not commit suicide. In the year 2014, there were one million calls. One million people called that wanted to leave this world, that were talked into staying in this world. In 2017, last year, they received two million calls, double. And 45% of the people that called, so that's a million people, had no prior mental disorders. Normal people. So the further away that we are from the Beit Hamikdash, the worse it's getting, not only for Klai for the whole world. For the whole world. So when we sit on the floor and say, Kinnis on Tisha it's not about the Beit Hamikdash 2,000 years ago. It's about what we're in now because of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash 2,000 years ago. That's what's really happening. That's the focus that a person has to have on Tisha B'Av. Is that we are where we are because we're 2,000 years away from the Bez HaMikdash. You said you're not going to get up here and you're not going to tell us terrible things. There's enough going on. What are you doing because there's an answer. Rabbi Elimelech I'm sure a lot of you here, is, so some of you might have heard this. He said something unbelievable this week. He said something unbelievable every day. But he said something unbelievable this week. Listen to this. He says, there's a taisvist that brings down, it's in Baba Basra, there's a taisvist that brings down that every single year, 15,000 people died in the midbar, Hashem said, after they spoke bad about Eretz Israel, Hashem said that all 600,000 are going to die. 15,000, 4% a year. 15,000 a year times 40 years. 15 times 40 is 600. So, every Tisha by night, the first year, 600,000 people, men, dug a grave, laid in the grave. And the next morning, 15,000 of them did not get up. So, Avelimel Biederman said, Could you imagine the Myriv, the night of Tishabov, when you knew you're going into your grave? That I shouldn't be one of those guys that are not going to wake up. I want another year. My family, my grandchildren, I got plans, I got business. He says, Could you imagine what was going on in that room? 600,000 people doubting Myriv? Please, Hashem, I want to wake up tomorrow. That's how you're supposed to wake up every morning, by the way. I mean, Davin Meyer every night. That you should wake up the next morning. He says, but you know, even though they Davin, it's like you're in a room with 600,000, and you're, you're, only 4% are going to die. You're like, I'm going to Davin, but you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of them. Yeah, 600,000 of them. Hashem's not taking me first. So they dove into the Meir, but it wasn't the end of the world. But the last year, the last year, even though the Pasik and the Torah says that the only two that were left with Shriam and are going into Eretz Yisrael, it's Koleh ben Yifuna and Yeshua ben Nun, the only two, everyone else is going to die. He says, that the last year, the 15,000 didn't die. So, even though the Torah says only going to be two, somehow they broke the Gzeera, and the last 15,000 did not die. And I'll bring you a riot to that. I'll bring you a riot to that, Tysus. So, Rev. Mel Biederman said, What happened? Why didn't they die? The Torah says that they're going to die. The Torah says, What do you mean they didn't die? She says, Because, he's He says, Because the last Myriv of the last year, how many guys were in the room? 15,000, they all knew they were going to die. It's not like, maybe I won't. All 15,000 were supposed to die that night. There was no one else left. So each guy knew, I'm not getting up tomorrow morning. He says, that my riv. Forget about it. Where they all knew they were going to die, the crying and the screaming and the yelling was so powerful That it broke a gzera where there's a pasuk in the Torah that says that the only two would make it? No, there were 15,002. There were 15,002 that made it. It shows you that the biggest gzera written in Torah can be broken if you take tefillah to the level where you know that you're desperate, that there's no way out. It goes back to my share about the difference between I want and I need I want, Hashem doesn't always give you what you want. But Hashem always gives you what you need. These 15,000 needed to get up the next morning. The year before, I don't, those guys will die, I'll, I'll be alive. So I don't need to break the walls down. Right? I got a 50% chance, I'm going to make it. To the, on, in, in year 39. Here they knew they couldn't make it. So the are to break it. What's a riot to this, Taisvus? Beautiful riot. The riot to this crisis is that why do we celebrate Tuba of? We celebrate Tuba of because they weren't sure if they had the date right. So when they got up the 9th, the morning right, of the 10th, they said, wow, this is unbelievable. Maybe we counted wrong. When they got to the 15th, and the 15th is a full moon, right? The 15th is a full moon. They got to the 15th, they saw a full moon. They said, definitely, we made it. Who got up? If they all died, like the Torah says, and only Kalev and Yeshua were alive, who wasn't sure if it was the knife or not? Must have been there were people who weren't sure if it was the knife or not. Must have been that the 15,000 didn't die. Is right? it right to the Titus that the 15,000 didn't die? See, I don't know if it's allowed to be that Lamdish on Tisha B'Av, but of Tila, so all these things that I said with cancer, with opioids, with volcanoes, with, volcanoes, with icebergs, with all this stuff, ah! we can dive on our way way out of it but we gotta need it not want it it's nothing to worry about all the USA, all this stuff all the people of the world's over and Trump and wars and Zachen and Machen it has nothing to do with us we dive in on our riv that we need something with our whole heart we can break a zero that's written in Tosh Hashem No do if you want to look at the Tysus, it's in Baba Basa, Kuf chaf Aleph. Also brings down, I said, it just came from the girls, I was just talking to the girls. This is it's an amazing thought. It's brought down in Chazal that we are much closer to Hashem on Tisha B'Av than any other day of the year, including Yom Kippur, including Purim, including Rosh Hashanah, including any Shu'as, whatever you want to go. Tisha B'av, we are closer to Hashem than any other day. And everyone thinks, what are you talking about? Tisha B'av is when Hashem said, you're going to cry for the rest of your generations. Tisha based on Midrash, is destroyed. What does that mean? And he said, beautiful. Two people who love each other, the moment that they separate is the greatest moment of love that there is. I don't know how many of you men and there's a lot of young guys here, have ever had a daughter going to seminary. I have five daughters that went to seminary. The scene at the airport in September, when these girls are going to seminary, the mothers are holding on to them. They're crying. The mother's crying. She's crying. And and the moms don't let go of them. And they say, I have to go. I have to make the plane, ma. And they're crying. And then she goes through security. And you're watching her through security. And you're waving through security. And then she's about to turn by, I don't know if you're L. Allen Kennedy. She's about to turn to war room security. And you're waving. And your mother, they're all crying. Some of the fathers who who do show emotion, everybody's crying, the kid on the other side's crying, and they're waving, and then some Mishugan, they, they go on the Bell Parkway, and they park, and they watch the LL plane take off, and they're like, look, that's my daughter, 26D, she got a window seat, ah! okay, it's not her. And the guys in the plane are watching this, and they're saying, who, who is this Mishugan on, on the Bell Parkway, right? So, so wh- what do you mean? Why, why don't you hug your kid every day? Why when, you, when your kid goes to school in the morning, you're like, don't go, please don't go, and watch them when they go down the steps, and watch them on the bus, and watch them, oh, have a good day, don't forget your snack. Why? Because when someone's with you, you love them. But when there's a preda, when someone's leaving, right, the person that you love, when the person's leaving, it's a much higher love than, than, than when you're together. In anything, a husband's leaving if they have a good marriage and he's got to go away on a trip. And the relationship that night is much closer than when he's going to be home the next day. There's nothing to talk about. And even in halacha it talks about it. So when Tishabov, it's when HaKadosh Baruch left us. When his children went to seminary, so to say, Halavai. When his children left him. When his children leave him. His love for us is much, much higher than we were in the base. I made with the crew and with the Kurdish Kadashim. Because when, you, when two lovers leave each other, the pain and the love and the emotion of that moment is greater than when they're together. This is not my heart by a long shot. So he brings down that on Tisha, you should dab in It's the biggest time of Tfilah, it's to daven on Tisha for the things that you need. Sort of in a say for this week. And not only that, HaKosh Bokhu is closer to you, because on Tisha on the Shekhinah is on the ground. So when you're sitting on the ground, he's not sitting next to you. He's not in Shemayim. He's not even in Elo. Hashem is walking through the streets, so to say. He's going through the world, through the land. So it's much even closer than that, because on Tisha when you're sitting on the ground, the Shekhinah is sitting on the ground. So the Shekhinah is on the ground, the Shekhinah is sitting on the ground right next to you. So today is a day of Yeshuais. a Yantif. Today of Yeshua is for all of us. It's a day to rip open Chemayim. It's a day, Rakajba, who misses us. Today when he's sitting right next to us. Today that we can change the world. But it passes by. And we're already looking. Khatzah, we're sitting on the chair, and it's 9 09, we're eating. And Rabbi Gamliel, I always ask him the same thing. And I say, Rabbi, what should I think? What should I give over? My what And he says the same thing Every year. He hasn't changed it in 25 years. And he says, tell everyone that tonight at 9.09 or whatever the time is, you're going to go home, you're going to eat, you're probably going to forget about the day. But Hashem doesn't go home after Tisha above. The tat is what he says in Yiddish. That He said, the kavana should be, I'm going home, to my family, to eat, to break my fast. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going home. And it says in the Medrash, very sad Medrash, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, since the destruction of the base HaMikdash, has not sat on his Kisei Hakavod. I don't understand what it says, but it says, and he says, Uriah, to Eliohan HaNavi, he says, look at my head, on my head there is towel, there is dew. And there's no dew by the Kisei HaKavoid. is a raya that I'm chutz from my Kisei HaKavoid in my room. So Kurdish Baruch Hu has no home. Says my Rebbe, what kind of child are you? Says Rabbi Gamaliel, what kind of child are you that you run home to your house when your father's in the street? What kind of child are you, Klai Yisrael?" doesn't bother you enough to bring Mashiach, to bring him back his home. And that's why it says that every generation and every year that we don't bring back Mashiach, we destroyed the base Hamigdosh. He says, how dare you go home when your father's in the street? The street tells me every single year. How dare you go home and leave your father in the street? What did you do this Tisha B'Av to bring your father back home? says, 25 years. I, I said something new, Episanias. He says, Nias! Takta! He's in the street! You want something else? Don't you care about him? I'm like, I'll have an easy fast. He's screaming at me. He's right. He's right. There was this, this father who. Made a beautiful gold threaded suit for his son for his by mitzvah, his son was by mitzvah. And his son gets by mitzvah, and he runs outside and he starts playing with his friends, and he mamish gets holes in both the knees and the arms, and Mamish rips it up. And he comes home and he says, Ta, I'm really sorry, but I can't wear this. His father says, Okay, okay. Goes and he buys him another one. Beautiful gold-threaded suit. And the kid runs outside and he does it again. Comes back, he says, Ta, look what happened. Father says, Okay. Make another suit. Built, makes the next suit. The kid comes home and says, No, can I have it? He goes, No. And I'm going to put it in the closet right here. You could look at it. When you become mature, and you stop running around with your friends, and you grow up, you could have the suit. So, Kosh said the same thing. He gave us a base on Migdash. We did the three cardinal sins. Destroyed it. He gave us the next base on Migdash. We did sinas Chinam. Destroyed it. But he built already the Baishlishi we know from Chazal is sitting in the other world made of ash, And he's just waiting to take that, to take that Beis Hamigdash and bring it down into the world. He's not he's going to build it when Mashiach comes, but it's already built. And he says, it's in the closet, guys. It's there. But you've got to grow up. You've got to stop abusing everything that I'm giving you. You've got to grow up. And when you grow up, you'll get the third suit. If I was to give everybody in this room eighty-six thousand and four hundred dollars every morning, and say, "Guys, this is the way it works. I'm going to give you a check for eighty-six thousand four hundred dollars, but by midnight, if you didn't spend it, I get it back. It disappears. I don't think there's anyone in this room that won't spend it. I don't see too many guys who are going to come to me at twelve o'clock. Rabbi, I only lose twenty of it. Here's sixty-four back." I think that every single day you will figure out how to use those $86,400, whether on yourself, investing it, or giving it to tzedakah. You, you, you only need 20, you take the other 64, and you pay people's grocery bills. And you pay other people's tuitions. I have no shyla that for your whole life, if I gave you $86,400 every day, you will find a way to spend it. I will not get any of that back at night. If I do, you're a fool. You're a fool. It's something to do with it. Every time you wake up in the morning, Hashem gives you 86,400 seconds. A 24-hour day, 24, times 60 minutes, times 60 seconds, equals 86,400. At the end of the day, you don't get any minutes back. Whatever you wasted is gone. Money, you can borrow. Money, you can make. Okay, Rebbe, you gave me 86,400. I made, I made $2 million. I flipped a building. I don't need your 86 for. It. You can make money on your own. But time, you cannot make on your own. Time is given to us by Hashem. So every single one of us, every single day, gets 86,400 seconds. And at the end of the day, it's over. You lost it. It's passed. You can't get it back. And if that's how we understand what life is, what time is, we have to figure out there was a girl in my, in my house a week ago, and she wants out of this world. She's done. She said, I'm hanging on by a thread, Rabbi. I'm hanging on by a thread. Give me some energy. Tell me something. I'm like, you're not hanging on by a thread. She goes, no, I'm hanging on by a thread. She is hanging on by a thread. I said, well, let me tell you something. You want to kill yourself, that doesn't make any sense. She said, what do you mean? I'm like, if Hashem felt that you have no potential and you're of no worth, has yes, I don't know what the Gemara says, a lot, hundreds of ways of taking your life. You wouldn't wake up in the morning. If you woke up this morning, that means, as far as Hashem is concerned, you're needed in this world. There's something you could do. Because if you weren't needed, a lot of people don't wake up the next morning. I said, so your job, I told her? Your job? When you get up in the morning, I got up in the morning, I got some reason to be here. Because there's nothing, a blade of grass, a grain of sand that's in this world that's here for no reason. So if you get up in the morning, there's a reason for you to be here. And if there's no reason for you to be here, then you're in the graveyard. Then you, there's a reason to be there, not here. The whole graveyard is full of people that need to be there. The people that are supposed to be here are not in the graveyard. So I said, your job is to figure out why. That you're in the world, because the says, I need you to be there. You have a purpose. What that purpose is, that's the human being's job. What to do with the 86,400 seconds that Hashem is giving you. That's the given. What to do with it, that's our job. But if you wake up in the morning, you have a purpose today. And if you're not supposed to be here, I told her, you won't be here. Now you go figure out what your purpose is. And we figured out her purpose. And she wrote me a note. I said it last night. She said something amazing. It takes a second to get it. She said, never listen to a person who tells you the sky is the limit. Because as we all know, there are footprints on the moon. Godless. Don't shortchange yourself. Sky's not the limit. Someone got to the moon, which is way above the sky. Don't let anyone ever tell you, you can't, you can't, no, you'll never be able to do it. Never ever believe that. There is no such thing. We used to think as human beings, the sky was the limit. You can't go above the sky. We found out many, many years ago that there are footsteps on the moon. And every one of us can go above that. And now there's, I don't know what, on Mars, and there's on Neptune, and wherever it is, and there's no limit. There's no limit for a person. I want to end with this thought. I think it's a very, very important thought, because there's a lot of people out there that do not believe in themselves. There's a Misa, and we'll end with this. Well, this one fast, so we've got two minutes, okay? I don't know if I'll be able to say both very, very deep and I think it's more for guys than it is for girls even though I said it last night and I'll tell you the miser I'll tell it to you by heart the miser is that there was a boy who was a huge Eloy and he learned tyree. he was in his attic and he used to sit and learn and learn and learn and learn but he felt when he got to a certain level that he's just not on the highest level that he could be and his friends told him that there's a very big tzaddik living in a faraway land. And if you could learn by him, you would take your Torah to a crazy different level. So he went downstairs to his father and he said, Dad, I want to go meet the, this tzaddik. I want to meet the tzaddik. And the father said, well, I meet a tzaddik. You know who you are? You don't need to learn with anybody else. You're the Galahadar! So he went back to his room, and he felt unfulfilled, and he told his father, no, I want to meet the tzaddik. So the father said, okay, here's the deal. We're going to go, but if anything goes wrong, it's a sign from Hashem that we're not supposed to go. So they get into the wagon, they're going across the bridge. One of the horses jump, the wagon flips, they fall into the water, they almost drown, the father says to his son, you see, there is a raya, this is a raya. That we're not supposed to go. They go back home. He goes back up into his room. He continues learning. He feels unfulfilled. Goes back down to his father. He said, Tom, we need to try again. Father says, What are you talking about? You're the God. No, let's try again. He says, Okay, but if something happens, it's a raya, they get into the wagon, they're going across the bridge. Both axles of the wagon crack. They're stuck. The father says, Oh, you see, two times in a row, that's it, we're not doing this anymore. They go back. He goes back to his room. He still feels unfulfilled. He begs his father, please, I'm begging you, listen, things happen. Horses jump, axles break. Maybe it's not a sign. Father says, okay, I'm telling you that, but if one more time something happens, that's it. I'm not, we're not doing this again. So they get, they get across the bridge safely, Baruch Hashem. They come to an inn. It's going to be a a few day travel. They come to the inn. They're sitting and eating supper. There's a man sitting next to him and this man starts to talk to the father and the son. He's like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, we're going to see this great rabbi. He says, where does he live? They say where he lives. He says, what? That rabbi? I just, I'm coming from him. He's a nobody. Not only that, when I was there, I watched him do a crazy Avera. They're like, what? The father says, I told you. That's why we didn't go. And they go back home. And the son dies. The son dies. The father loses the son. It was his only son. And he has a dream that night. And the son comes to him in a dream. And the son is very angry. And the father says to the son, why are you so angry at me? And he says, go to the tzaddik. And the father says, what? Go to the tzaddik. He wakes up, he says, ah, it was just a dream. Next night he has the same dream. son is very angry, go to the tzaddik. So, he gets into his wagon, he goes, to the. he's going to the tzaddik. That night he goes to the inn, the same guy sitting there. And the guy says to him, where's your son? He says, my son died. He says, I know. He says, and you want to know, last time you were here, I could have swallowed you alive. You talk, swallow me alive. What are you saying? He says, You know who I am? I'm the Satan. You know who broke your axles? I did. You know who threw the horse over the, into the river? I did. Do you know that if your son would have met the Tzaddik, together the two of them would have brought Mashiach? And I made sure that didn't happen. You, you could go see the Tzaddik, you're no danger. You're not your son. That's the ma'isa. Very deep kabbalistic ma'isa, and safer ma'isias. Very deep kabbalistic ma'isa. What's the translation of the ma'isa? Who's the father? The father is the goof. Who's the son? The son is in the shama. The shama wants to learn, wants to daven, doesn't want to talk, by daven. Wants to grow wants to meet the tzaddik, wants to become great, wants to become greater. The goof says, what are you talking about? You're a good guy. You learn an hour at night. Come on. You keep Shabbos. You're okay. You don't need to grow. No, no, I want to grow. I want to grow. I took on this on Yom Kippur. I want to change. I want to grow. And then eh, you break your leg here. You you're on your way to Davin. Your car goes kaput. You get a ticket, whatever it is. The sultan does something. You're like, ah, you see, I want it to grow. Look what happened to me. That Shemir is saying, I something happened. look what happened to me. And he tries to dissuade you, and he tries to dissuade you, and he tries to dissuade you, because he knows that if you grow, and you grow, and you grow, you, everyone in this room, everyone watching, has the Kayach to bring Mashiach. He wants to make sure, so the Guf makes sure that the Nefesh, the Neshama, doesn't get to that level. And then when the Neshama comes to the next world, the Guf is the father. He comes back to the father, to the Guf, and it's yelling, and it's angry, and it's like, why did you let me go to the Tadik? Why didn't you let me grow?" We couldn't have brought Mashiach. Because people feel that when they're growing and they fail at something, they give up. A very wise man said that 75% of success is based on failure. If you didn't fail, but you think you succeeded, you didn't. Because every time you fail, you learn what not to do. 75% of a person's success is based on failure. My story, I've been traveling, everyone knows that, I travel, I go to rehabs, I go to psych wards, I've been all over America, I watch the Jewish children that are drug addicts that are going through residential treatment centers for mental things, for eating disorders and for cutting and for manipulating, you name it. And five years ago, I was in Utah watching a Hasidic girl eat bacon and eggs for breakfast because these, there is no Jewish rehab for girls in existence in the world, with all our money for boys, there's Chabad there's in Florida girls, there's nothing so our girls, if there's anything wrong with them they gotta go to the liberals in the east, where they're told to be lesbians and, and, and be mushchasim and do every aver in the world or they go to the west and they're told that if you don't talk to Yashka before you go to sleep you're not gonna get healed and they eat bacon and eggs and it just it made me crazy we're sending in sick Jewish girls and we're getting out sometimes healthy Goyim. So I said, I gotta find the place. I gotta find a place that has equine therapy. Because I saw that horses and girls, the therapy of horses and girls, especially in anxiety and depression and abuse, is amazing because a horse gives you back your control. You're controlling the animal, it gives you back your trust. It's not ridiculous. I'm not gonna get into it. So I saw this in some place and I said, I have to find such a place. And for years and years I looked and I traveled and I looked to open up such a place. And if I found the horses, I didn't find the houses. If I found the houses, I didn't find the horses. I finally found both and it was an anti-Semitic town that wouldn't let us do anything. And it just wasn't working. And I'm standing by the Kaisel by Neila many years ago, and I'm saying, I don't understand. These are my sisters, but these are your daughters. And they're eating treif, and they're being told that Judaism is a cult. And, and, and they're deprogramming, and they're, they're becoming Goyim. And you've got to help me. And he did. And three months later, I found this place in Bethel. Amazing place. I got it for a tenth of the price that it should have been sold to. Nisim, it was built perfectly. The guy died a month before. I moved into a place that was wrapped in plastic, that was never used. The biggest bracha, they will build and you will move in. Because Khalil, you will build and they will move in. It was amazing. Because Baruch Hu gave me my reb- the craziest present he gave to Klai And I'm all excited. And I get a partner. And we open this place up. And I fail. I'm open for three months. My, my clinical director didn't work. We couldn't find any people up in the mountains in Bethel to work. Total failure. Four girls. It didn't work. I fell on my face. And right away, all the jealous organizations and people that were all over Facebook and keep them away from the ranch and it's this, then it's that. Because one thing I've learned, and everyone here knows it, success breeds contempt. Nobody wants you to be successful. Why? It's called sinas chinam. What do you care if I'm successful? No. I'm not going to do what you do, but you can't be successful. And I got ripped. And I said, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. And my money guy left me. And I have nothing. And I'm begging my friends to help me. We have to open up this place again. Hashem gave us the property. So we opened up last year in May, and we closed for Sukkot, and we didn't reopen. Failed. I admit it. Failed. We said, okay, we're going to go out there. New clinical director. We're going to put it together. Couldn't find anyone. No one works up there. No one wants to work up there. Looking for therapists. Looking for this. Not happening. Finally, I put together a team. We open up, two months before Pesach. Fall on our face. We had seven workers. That was my my whole, the therapist only came once a week. The four people that were direct care were off the wall. Failure. Closed. Pesach. I'm like, Hashem, you gave me the property. This is not happening. If I fail, no one else is doing this. No one else is nuts like me. No one else is going to do this. And everyone's telling me, sell the property, Ms. Shugana. You can make ten times your money. You've got it for nothing. Sell the property. Put it into a novel. Have a good day. I'm like, no. 75% of success is failure. I'm not selling this property. We're going to do it again. What Are you crazy? How are you going to get people? The Sutton pushed me off the bridge twice. I met him in the place and he said, were well, you nuts? More money? More time? It doesn't work. Send them to the Mormons. They're doing a good job. So they got you, but they're doing a good job. I said, no, we're going to do this again. We opened up two weeks ago. We opened up two weeks ago, the Mice and Nisim nice and the nice Flies nice that I saw since Pesach is beyond words. My staff consists of 26 people on payroll. Not six, not seven. 26 people, 11 direct here. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Rafua, who someone sent me to Rafua because maybe they know a therapist, was nice enough, for Fuwa from Muncie, to, ta- to partner, to do all the mental health, to do the psychiatry, the psychology, the physical doctor health. People came from nowhere. I have my head of direct care is a girl who's about shuva, a woman who's about shuva, who was 12 years in the Navy on a destroyer doing the sonar looking for enemy Russian submarines. How did she get to Bethel, to the rehab, to the ranch? Don't even ask. He picked every single one of them. Twenty-six. We're in it for two weeks. I sh- it shouldn't be an inharah. I'm not telling you this because it's not about me. This is the point I want to get to. This is not about Zehaywal. It's You speak and you that and you have friends and that 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 that. might like, no, no. Everybody has this this story of Sefer Masius, where you try to do something and he pushed you off the bridge, and you turn around and you give up. And after 120 years, they're going to tell you it was a satan. Wasn't it Hashem that didn't want you to do it? it was a satan? You could have brought Mashiach. You could have saved these kids. Why did you give up? And he's laughing. It's not me. It's the outlet. It's God. It's a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And I told this to the girls last night. Don't you ever give up. You know why? Because there's an outlet in the wall. There's a source of energy and of hope and of love and of care. And that's God. And every single one of us can plug into that outlet. Are you Rabbi Wallerstein? No! Because you plug into the outlet your microwave your refrigerator your toaster! Your computer! So many things you plug into the outlet. Is a computer the same as a toaster? Is a toaster the same as a refrigerator? No! But each one of them has a job to do, and if they're not plugged into the outlet, they don't work! Guys, it doesn't work! Unless you plug into a Baruch baruchu, it doesn't work! But if you're plugged into a Baruch baruchu, you'll never give up! No, you're not going to be a Wallstein. You're going to be a Greenberg, whoever you are. I'm a toaster oven. You're a microwave. You need the toaster oven. You need the refrigerator. They don't do the same thing. You need the vacuum cleaner. It doesn't do the same thing. But they're all plugged into the same outlet. And that was not destroyed when the Bessamidus was destroyed. The outlet is still here. Hakkadish Baruchu, who's the energy, is still here. Never give up. Just plug in. And remember, the sky is not the limit. There are footprints on the moon. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com.